0: It's episode 42 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Baseball Podcast, your weekly Milwaukee Brewers podcast. I'm Steve Garshinsky. Joining me is Ryan Topp, and back from grading papers is J.P. Breen. And hey, guys, I know we usually don't do it a lot, but I was going to give you a chance to talk about Liverpool real quick, since I think they had something going on this weekend. You are a heartless, heartless human being, Steve. What happened? Yeah, don't, yeah you're just... you. I figure we have, you know, like five minutes if you want to do Liverpool talk. You are the worst. You know, if they'd won, you wouldn't be doing this. You would totally just be like, "Yeah, I don't care about
1: that," and just move on. Oh, the did, they, that they, did they? lose? You are heartless. Who would they lose to? JP. <sighs> <laughs> JP's just is sitting there I, angrily.
0: So I've
2: got, I've got a, uh, I've got a good friend from from school here, uh, and he's back in in Egypt right now. And he said that not, uh, it was him and twelve of his friends all went on to Facebook and um, reported Sergio Ramos for harassment of a friend or somebody they knew. <laughs> Steve, <laughs> which, why are you laughing? You don't even get the joke. Which was just, which was entertaining. Um, but I, no, it was it was not good. I mean, if you want to talk about the fact that it sounds like Liverpool is going to be chasing Christian Pulisic, and we might get America's next phenomenal. Uh, soccer player on
0: Liverpool we can talk about that if you want that that's, sounds very exciting and we'll talk about that later that's what I'm all about yeah we'll talk about that later in the summer I guess how's that yes the sure. next Friday you do so uh you can help fans you find the podcast the by st- <laughs> well <laughs> hey I gave you a chance to talk Liverpool and you didn't take it so let's just have that as noted. with
2: everything it was in
0: bad faith <laughs> I didn't know what the result was so I was legitimately asking
2: Quiet. I don't want to hear I don't want to hear your shit. Keep going.
0: Okay. Uh rate and review Milwaukee's Tailgate on Apple Podcasts. I like to grab the bad reviews and we we get to parse those online. So uh I don't care if you want to give a bad review, just give it five stars and then you can talk shit about us. Um we want listeners uh questions, so follow Milwaukee's tailgate on Twitter at MKE Tailgate. Email questions to Milwaukee's.tailgate at gmail.com. Or follow our Facebook page. You can also follow the three of us on Twitter, and you'll find that on our Milwaukee's Tailgate Twitter bio. And finally, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can visit patreon.com slash mketailgate. Our ball-and-glove patrons receive the monthly Minor League Extra podcast, and I think we're going to do a draft recap. recap. So that'll come out right after the draft, which is June 4th. To the 6th, yeah. So it'll be sometime late next week. Man, nobody cares about the 6th. Well, that's true, but that's I mean, where a little bit, that's where like some Yoast is getting drafted late and that's about it.
2: No, there's, that's the, that, that oh, Yoast is now a manager in the, in the farm system.
0: Thing that that right. is true. And they're, so it's future managers getting drafted the, on the, the 11th
1: round on and like guys, meaningful guys get taken in the teens, guys who get big signing bonuses, who get, you know, a million or close to it, get taken in the teens sometimes. So depending how much money a team has left. Okay. Do we need to do we need to talk about which uh, current member
2: of the Milwaukee Brewers I believe is still a current member, unless he was optioned, Uh was drafted in the eleventh round of two thousand and fourteen MLB draft?
0: Go, eleventh round in twenty fourteen. That's Ryan. That's you. The eleventh round in twenty fourteen. Was he drafted by the Brewers? He mm-hmm. j- just said
2: out of um, Mississippi
1: State University. Woodruff. Yes. Yeah.
2: Okay. So. There are people taken in the eleventh round and afterwards that are relevant.
0: There are, but I doubt you guys are going to single them out and talk about them very much. So we talked about we would have talked if we'd had it last year. We would have talked about Ward. So okay, absolutely, he was
1: in the thirteenth, I think, right? So I guess.
0: Milwaukee's Tailgate is sponsored by Carbon 4 Brewing. From Dragon Flute to Block Party to Fantasy Factory IPA, K4 specializes in English-style malt bombs and perfectly balanced hop grenades. Out now is Carbon Four summer seasonal Idiot Farm. This super boozy, hoppy beer is incredibly drinkable. So head over to Carbon 4's taproom on Kinsman Boulevard on Madison's east side and look for it in bottles uh, at a retailer near you. As always, check out carbon for more information. Carbon 4 beer brilliance. Have you found that one? Out and about yet? No, I did find the
1: Double Fantasy Factory at Tompkins for anybody who's in Milwaukee, though that was now a week ago, so I don't know if it's still there. Probably not. I would imagine they didn't get more than, like, one barrel.
0: Got to be quick. Yes, you have to be quick when you see it. So, yeah, check out the website. You can probably find it. Um, Milwaukee's Tailgate is also sponsored in part by Sound Devices, a premier manufacturer of audio production gear, and they're located right here in Wisconsin. Sound Devices gear is used worldwide and is found on the set of Oscar-winning films and popular TV shows. And if you're looking to create a professional-sounding podcast, check out the MixPre-3 and MixPre-6. For more information, visit sounddevices.com. So we've had a pretty good run here with the Brewers lately. Quite good. Starting with that that series in Minnesota through uh, the Mets series here in town. Uh, the Brewers won 8 of 10. They have a four-game lead in the NL Central. And it goes even back further than that, to the yeah. sweep at Wrigley, really. Yeah, I mean, they've had to run a little bit further, but I'm... Since our last recording, really, this is what they've done. So, um, Like I said, they took two of three from Minnesota, they swept Arizona, and then they took three of four from the Mets. Um, And it's been kind of an interesting swing since uh, this series against the Mets. They didn't really get a lot of great starts um, from the starters who had been... Not spectacular, but they'd been, I think, kind of a, a foundation, at least they've been able to win with.
1: No, they'd been getting relatively deep into games, at least as far as Craig Council goes. Well, five innings, but yeah. Five or six. I mean, they had some they had some six, even a seven inning start from Chase Anderson in there, mm-hmm. but not lately. Now it's been the offense, which has been, you know, nice to see that the offense can pick up and, and really do some things. Again, it's the offense is still being driven by the top of the lineup, being awesome. More than anything, but you're seeing it also in the the bottom half of the lineup. So you have guys like you know Tyler Saladino is hitting you would think unsustainably well, but even you know Jonathan VRs had a, a decent run here. Uh, Manny Pena has been better than no, start of no, the season. No, he hasn't.
0: That's why I didn't put him on the list here because he's been awful.
1: In the recent, oh, I, I, I looked at the the April May splits. He'd been a little bit better in May well, than when he was in April. I was
0: but. I was checking this last ten game run, and, and oh, Pena's been in been that middle. run. He hadn't been. Yeah, okay. No, Pena hasn't done much, but um, JP, uh, is do you think this is just you know what happens to starters, or are we we seeing a little bit of a, an issue with like Chase Anderson in particular because he's had a couple of he had he had a slow start out of the gates against Arizona. He gave up a couple runs in the first, and then he settled down, and then he gave up was it five runs against the Mets four or five runs and he had a short start against the Mets. So, um, is there a reason to be concerned about Anderson at all?
2: I mean, not any more than I think we were talking about prior to the season. Right. I mean, we've been, I think we've been pretty consistent in talking about how the chase Anderson is probably more of a, I don't know, a, a three, six ERA type guy. Um, and that's if everything continues to go well and we we've regularly talked about the fact that if his fastball uh declined or if his curveball wasn't as good as it was last year and i think you could make an argument that that might be the case thus far he could he could regress to his career norms which is just about you know it's like 4142 era which is completely possible and now and actually in today's uh, run environment and when you've got the league average starter being about a four-five ERA again now, like that's actually not terrible. That's a, a decent mid-rotation starter. Um but I don't think anything is really all that surprising in terms of what the the rotation is doing because without Jimmy Nelson and Chase Anderson stuff maybe taking a step back, they don't they don't have an ace. They're they're just gonna have a bevy of mid-rotation to back rotation starters, and they're going to have stretches where they're uh quite good. Um, and then they're gonna have stretches where they look like they can't be in the rotation because that's that that's how mid to back rotation starter and rotation start starters go.
0: Yeah, and we saw the two sides of Julius chasing in this last uh ten days or so where he shut down Minnesota I think it was he had one start that was great and then against the Mets he got you know again knocked around he gave up I like think it was against runs. Arizona was, yeah, it was Arizona? Against Arizona okay
2: it was Arizona he pitched really well though I to be fair everyone pitches well against Arizona in
1: the past like two and
2: a half weeks well they don't They've have been,
1: anybody healthy or hitting well so I
2: I think it they were looking uh I saw something from Jeff Weiser um who writes um really good writer for for the the D-backs. And he was saying during the run up to and including the series against the Brewers, their team on-base percentage was like 240. Like for the for, for like the two weeks prior to that. Like their on-base percentage was 240 and yeah. they were just
0: dreadful. Yeah, that's why they had to be excited against Anderson on that Monday game where uh, Anderson was walking some guys and he gave up a home run or he gave up a couple runs. Yeah. You know, they probably thought like, Oh, we're going to get the offense rolling. And then it was yeah. just completely shut down from that point on. Yeah. They didn't yeah. do anything after that. Um, I will say
2: though, if, you, if you're looking at Chassin and sorry for cutting in, but if you're looking at Chassin against the Mets, uh, that would have been yesterday. So it would have been Sunday, right? Um, his slider, I will say actually looked really good. Like, it was, it was one of the best his sliders looked all year. Um, it was the fact that he was struggling with his fastball and his command wasn't necessarily as good as it had been. Um, but you can see why he's so good against righties, at least last year, and why he profiles well against righties. Because his slider was uh, had late break and it was moving, um, which is obviously encouraging if you're looking at what Shasin's been been doing lately and how you're trying to project him going forward.
0: Yeah, so now even though Chassin, for example, had a, a rough start, and they had a rough start the day before, they scored 17 runs, and then they came back and won 8-7 on mm-hmm.
1: Sunday. So, Well,
0: both were comebacks, yeah. Well, yes, when they scored 17, that was a comeback. But once <laughs> they kind of took the lead on that one, it turned into a rout in a hurry. Sure. Like I think everybody forgot. Somebody made a comment online that it was going to be like a 9-7 to seven game, and clearly the Brewers were like, Hold on a second. <laughs> we're better than that. Yeah, We'll take care we're, of that. We're going to try to double that. Yeah. So, Anyways, I mean, the offense is, has gotten going a bit at the top. Uh, mm-hmm. We've had um, Kane and Yelich were kind of doing, I think, what we had hoped that they do. They've both been doing, you know, 400 plus on base for the past 10 days or so. Shaw's been hitting with power. And then uh, Jesus Aguilar has been a monster. And absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. 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 He's got six home runs in the last like 10 days. Yeah, since that series in Minnesota, he's been yeah, he hit absolutely like, on fire. Yeah, he hit like three up in Minnesota, but he's he's kept it up uh, since they got back to Milwaukee, yeah. too. So um, those guys are really driving the offense right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, some of it, I don't know. I always wonder about this because you see it how much of it's an environmental thing. Like, obviously, it's been very good hitter conditions, hot, humid the ball really flies at Miller park when that's the case, that's been sort of a long-standing thing.
0: Well, it it does happen. Eventually it gets hot. Right.
1: And then also you wonder how much of it is you get, you know, an umpire that's a little bit tighter in their strike zone. And then that, you know, opens things up for the, the hitters to be able to take more pitches and really hone in because the Mets were really good offensively in that series too. Like the, it wasn't just the Brewers
0: pounding the Mets that it was, it cut both ways yeah so, no no lead really felt safe
1: no and it was
0: so be, uh, until they scored 17 runs and that one was settled so it was that one seemed fine
1: it was good good conditions for hitters that was an, or, think, he,
0: that was an orge lopez game
2: i, I was thinking uh, like could we get Aaron Perez to come in and, and pitch in relief for a couple of innings just to like be like <laughs> if you give up five runs it's still fine
0: that would improve <laughs> his uh defensive rating absolutely his range as a
1: pitcher would be massive (laughs)
0: yeah look at the UZR on that guy
1: (laughs) um but yeah I mean they're in a position where at this point with the offense going they at least have other options to win games they don't have to solely rely on getting a small lead and then letting the bullpen drag it through over the finish line they have some options in different well, ways. Well, they've to be still to... been doing that. They in, still have. In
0: this run, they've had some low-scoring games where they've won 2-1 to one, or they've gotten shut out, and that was one of the losses to the Mets. So it's not like the offense is just scoring six runs every night. Not every night, but, you know, and some of it is. You
1: have a 17-run
0: game that's going to skew the numbers. In.
1: They got shut out once,
0: and that was terrible. Uh, I mean, I the, know some people are ready to send everybody down.
1: Oh, shutouts are yeah, that's the new thing, isn't it? Like uh, shutouts are are just well, I think we have a shutout. Yeah, we have a counter. I think we're counting the well, number of times because they've, they've already matched the number of times they were shut out last year. They've been shut out
2: more than any team in baseball.
0: Yeah, I think you know, they're at ten. Yep. Being shut out is a normally I wouldn't know that. But like I said, people are pointing this out online because it's such a big deal.
2: But of course the, the, the most annoying thing was everyone's like, you know, they're too reliant on the home run. They've got all of these things. And I was like, well, then you should have loved that game when they got shut out because it was nothing but singles. They got a bunch of them.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. They just didn't do it in the clutch.
2: It's yeah. it turns out it's much harder to string together a bunch of singles than it is to hit some home runs, but I will I think the most interesting thing is not just, you know, Kane and Yelich who've been phenomenal. Yelich Jel- is an absolute monster. He's 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 obviously not hitting for the kind of power, but we haven't had this kind of hitter since in in prime.
0: Braun. You know, he's still slugging close to four fifty.
2: I know, but he's not, a, was, what, he's not a and he's not a power in hitter. Prime,
0: yeah, no, in prime Braun but in was like six hundred was. You know,
2: I, I don't remember what his his like career high is, but he was pushing 40 homers, if not eclipsing that. I no, think he, did. he had 40 once. Yeah. I Otherwise, he was, he was always
1: the years that he had 11 and 12. MVP, yeah, 11 and 11. I
2: will say that it's incredible that he returned from the DL and is still like just steps in, doesn't even need a rehab. Stint and is just hitting lasers
1: again. Um, I mean, because- but those lasers are at people, so they don't count.
2: Well, some of them weren't even against the Mets. He had a couple of bases. Well, we
0: were just looking. uh, I saw that graph or whatever uh, that was retweeted online that had the 110 mile per hour hits by team. Mm -hmm. And the Brewers were the top ranked team in the NL. Yep. They were seventh in Major League Baseball. They were top in the NL. And I think I didn't have a breakdown of exactly how many. uh, 110 mile per hour plus hits. And it was Travis Shaw led. And then Ryan Braun was second on the team. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, absolutely still hits the ball and every
2: hard. and everybody was way behind the Yankees.
0: Um, yeah, it was, yeah, the Yankees were insane. But when you yeah. have judge and Stanton and the rest of that, line, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. But yeah. I think I've been, it's not obviously everybody, when you've got the kind of power that Jesus Aguilar has, he can go on some home run binges with regular playing time. And it's something that we haven't actually seen from him is being able to play every single day. Um, but what's impressed me so much is this goes back to, you know, even when he had, what was it, his 13 pitch at bat or whatever, that he hit a home run to, to walk it off. Uh, his at bats are phenomenal. And he doesn't necessarily walk as much. And so it's it's the kind of plate discipline and plate coverage that I think when we just use walk rate to – kind of just stand in for plate discipline we don't necessarily see as much of the kind of plate discipline that jesus Aguilar shows in which he fouls off tough two strict strike pitches again and again and again and again until he gets one that he can handle um and his his performance even against righties has just been something that I don't think anybody was expecting. And it's not something that you're obviously gonna say he's gonna hit 370 with a two, you know, 420 on base percentage from now until the end of the season, but it does it raises some questions whether or not Ryan Braun should be playing first base regularly. Um, because then you are taking Aguilar's bat out of it because He's been able to show that he can handle righties and lefties. And right now, is that something that you really want to be taking out of the lineup? Because I know Domingo Santana has been playing better. But is that something in which you're going to be seeing him spend more time on the bench? Or
1: is this just something that Braun just plays three times a week now trying to manage? I mean, as it stands right now, I think they're still easing Braun back. They're not they're not going to push him at the moment. So for for the time being I think you largely Aguilar needs to be at first base just about every day except for the occasional day off. And then yeah, I mean it, you're then splitting time between Braun and Santana
0: essentially. No, yeah, I think you ride right, Aguilar right now. Yeah, there's no yeah, question. Like, don't 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 overthink it too much. The guy's hot. Ride him right now, and then you know, down the road, once you kind of have a little normalization of uh, stats there, you can kind of figure out what you want to do.
1: Well, and we'll see because as JP was pointing out, there really hasn't been this him facing right-handers on a regular basis is a fairly new thing. He did, has not faced a lot of right-handers. We'll see as teams start to get more and more looks at him if they're able to find holes and find ways to get him out and adjust and force him to then make adjustments and maybe that isn't a thing
0: i mean he's not an unknown quantity i mean how many at bats jp do you think a team needs you know before they have a book on a guy and they can start attacking them with that
2: oh i think they already have it
0: but i mean i I don't don't how much is it against right handers because last year he was
1: pretty much exclusively a platoon player he rarely saw right-handed starters
2: but people still have scouting reports on him in the minors. Like it's not like he's never he's never hit right-handers before. And I mean, so- uh, I oh. will say though that he is hitting three thirty-three, three seventy-six, uh, five ninety-four against righties this year. Um, but to to the point, his walk rate against lefties is sixteen point two. His walk rate against righties is seven point three. Um, but again, right? I mean, we were just talking about how using walk rate to be able to to talk about. Um, you know, plate discipline is, is difficult. But I think the most interesting thing when you look at what he's doing is his swinging strike rate is down over 3% from what it was last year. And he's facing more righties than he had been in the past. So he's, he's putting together better at bats again and again and again. And his contact rate
1: is up over 7%. One well, rock really has been pushing this thing talking about, and you could see it when he does get to two strikes, he does change his approach and that's oh, not absolutely. that's not a thing you necessarily see that much anymore it's guys kind of keep a consistent approach a lot more than they used to he's yeah. willing to do that of course yesterday or I should say sunday he said it and then the next thing you knew it was like well now he's going to shorten up or whatever and then he hit a home run on two strikes so <laughs> hey you can still
0: shorten up your swing and hit it
1: out well when you're him you can yeah <laughs> yeah when you're him say- and you're playing at miller park on a 95 degree day
2: yeah. I was going to say he's got the, he's got the old like Chris Carter don't even look like you're swinging hit at 450 kind of swing. <laughs> oh, well, he's got a well, bit of
0: Santana the, too. Well, he's got a bit of the softball swing though where you're like, "Oh, this guy can't even like really twist and 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 get the bat all the way around, but right. you know, he can it, hit it It shows hard. like
2: how much power is just comes from your wrists and your forearms, right? Like yeah. he doesn't need all that torque. He just <laughs> he just flicks it. But I I will say too that um Domingo Santana in in May is hitting 288 347, uh, 515. Like his his OPS is back up over six. Uh, for, is back up over uh 860. Um, I mean his bad his his BABIP is over 400. Like it's it's sky high. But
1: when Santana's and, going good, his BABIP is going to be high. That's just kind of part of the profile. It's not going to be four.
2: It's not going to be four ten. No, um, that's
1: too high. But I'm saying that like when he's going when well,
2: his, especially when his his strikeout percentage even in May is still 35 percent but it's it is encouraging obviously and we talk about it sometimes you just need guys to be able to get it going a bit to to kind of rediscover the fact that you know get over the bad feelings of of the the terrible slump he was in for the vast majority of april and just be able to turn it around see some good things happen and see if you can build from there i think the most interesting thing is we talked about forever that Domingo Santana was way better against lefties than he was against righties. He's been so bad against lefties this year.
1: That's, and that's
2: just bizarre. Do you want to guess what his OPS is against lefties? Like five something? No, it's 313. What? Okay.
1: So that's, yeah, that, that kind of thing is just not going to happen like going forward. That's, that's something that is very due to just, you know, right. correct. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's forty-seven plate appearances, so it's
2: right. not, it's not anything exciting. But that's just like three thirteen is worse than uh, is a worse OPS than like Eric Sogard was having.
0: Yeah, you think he'd run into enough balls that he just you know put yeah. up a better line than that. So, but Aguilar is an interesting case since we were kind of lukewarm on whether or not he'd make the roster this spring. Right, mm-hmm. I, I was lukewarm on it. Mm-hmm. You know, we we saw, we definitely saw scenarios where it's like, well, Aguilar might be the guy they got to cut loose.
1: Yeah. I mean, I still think that Eric Thames has to be your primary first baseman against right-handed pitchers when he comes back. I think that needs to, to still be in place because Thames brings that extra dimension of... Aguilar has power. Thames has ridiculous power and has the ability, I think, to carry a lineup from that perspective where... Aguilar,
0: we're seeing his his big home run binge. I mean, here. do we do we think Thames is that much more of a power hitter than Aguilar? I do. Yeah. I, I mean, yes, in in short, but
2: I think there could be two things. Do you see Eric Thames playing left field a little bit? I mean, we saw that last year in order to try to get both bats in. And obviously, it's going to depend on his rehab assignment. It's going to depend on him being able to be comfortable again, right? They're not just going to throw him in and play him every single
0: day. I mean, I think there were some injury issues or just ability to keep him fresh. That makes me a little leery about putting him out in left field regularly.
2: Yeah. Oh, well, yes, regularly. But you could see it maybe like, I don't know, once a week, once
1: every other, something like that. As a way to get him in the lineup, an extra day here and there, get, sure. But Get themes
0: in, get Braun a day off, or something like that. But not yeah, on regular.
1: anything like a regular basis. I don't know, right. I don't want to see him out there two or three days a week. I think you'd, you'd I think more down. than a day a
0: week would be too much.
2: Right. 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 Yeah. And but I think the other thing to note is we talked about this a lot last year with guys like uh, with guys like Shaw. We talked about it in 2016 with Jonathan VR. Player development is so you know, the the cliche is that it's nonlinear, right? Like you, it just because somebody's getting older doesn't mean they're necessarily going to get better until their peak year. And then it goes off and all of those things, but it shows that Aguilar is still a young player and he hasn't had a chance to have every day at bats in in major league yet. Right. And we've seen with Eric Hosmer, we've seen with guys like Mike Moustakis, we've seen like whether you're looking at other teams or you're looking at Milwaukee, there are countless times where guys just need a couple of years to be able to adjust to major league pitching before they find it. Um, And right now it's obviously too early to tell, but it's far from unprecedented that somebody like Aguilar, who was somebody that hit for a long time in the minors and was seen as somebody that maybe couldn't make the jump is being able to actually do it once he's, been able to have regular time in the in in the lineup to be able to adjust to major league pitching
1: sure i mean it's we just have to see what and I, going back to it again what the adjustments that are going to be made against him are now i mean teams are are going to be putting more effort and attention on him because he has been a true offensive force over the last you know however long and so now comes the attention where you know well, teams I are going to start going after him and figuring out what the best way to attack him is. I mean, sure, but they, they, if, they if can if do that. Got,
0: they still got to deal with Kane. They still got to deal with Josh. Yeah, they got to deal with I was going to say, if, if you put Aguilar
2: third and you have Shaw, if you have Shaw fourth and Braun fifth, like, how much are you really going to be pitching around Jesus Aguilar? Because you're going to have somebody coming up and you're going to have Travis Shaw, whose slugging percentage has been 677 over the last two weeks? Like,
1: Right, yeah. No, it's true. You're. It puts them in a tough position. The whole thing they need to do is to keep lengthening this lineup because it's very much been a top-five, bottom-four thing where there's been a huge drop-off after you get past those first five guys. Which, Actually, let's not pretend that that's uncommon. It's not super unusual, but I think that the starkness of their drop-off stands out. Yeah, it, was, it
0: was pretty bad. And especially because— But wh- it, a lot of teams have shortstops in second basemen or catchers who can't hit, though. But that's— Certainly. Certainly, but
2: it was like the, you had the top four or top five, and then if, the bottom half was like hitting 210. I
0: mean, the thing is, if Santana starts turning it around, it can kind of be Domingo from last season. Yeah. That's going to make help. a huge difference. Yeah, it does. That's where I it think does. you're going to see the big turnaround.
2: Well, and it's why uh, Saladino and his hot start obviously was was very positive. But you've got Jonathan VR in May. His OPS is up near 770 again. Like, mm-hmm. And that's passable for him. You can deal with that. Oh, yeah. With his kind of speed. It you plays. can deal with that from him.
1: Yeah, the thing is, and it, I mentioned this on Twitter this week, it stands out that the Brewers, you look at their bottom three in the lineup, the guys they've had trouble getting good production from, the, those spots, it's second base, it's shortstop, and it's catcher. And But is it second base? I mean, again, VR's been all right. He's been all right, but he's definitely not in that top five
0: group. So, But for a second baseman? For a second baseman, again, he's passable. Again, it goes back to my point that Domingo Santana is more the key cog in here than Jonathan VR, who if 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 Santana can hit like he can, like he's shown Mm -hmm. in the past, and VR just keeps doing what he's doing, I think that lineup looks completely different. But what good you know, so but I'm just saying to harp on like VR, like, oh, if he gets you know, finds this other other gear or something like that, it's like, well, no, Santana's a guy that has that and we expected to rely on.
1: No, but that's the point I'm making is that. It's a little bit difficult when those are the weak spots in your lineup because what makes really good offenses really good is if you get guys who are playing shortstop, second base, catcher, you know, center field. We, we do have that at least. But if you have those guys who are hitting in your top three or four in the lineup and then that allows you to have a left fielder or somebody who's hitting seventh, well, where you can get offense out of that position a lot easier, you can lengthen a lineup out. We saw this. Look at what the Brewers had the last time they, they had you know really great teams. You had up the middle Ricky Weeks and J.J. Hardy were guys who were consistently hitting towards the top of the lineup because they were capable big league hitters, maybe not middle, middle of the order, but they were good enough to be up towards the top of the lineup.
0: Ricky Weeks was better than good enough. For a few
1: years, yeah. Yes. So it was I mean so it was hardy
2: to be fair. Yeah.
1: And Hardy yeah, Hardy had some great ears in there and they were able to lengthen the lineup that way where you could have somebody like I don't know, Corey Hart at times could hit, you know, 6th or 7th.
0: Well, okay, okay, okay. Before we get too deep in this. Remember that they drafted a lot of bats at that time and their, you know, defense for the most part was not great. This team's built differently. Right, and they also <laughs> didn't have lineup flexibility where they could It was basically this was that
1: guy's position. He plays there every day unless he needs a day off, and that was they didn't have they weren't rotating guys and moving them around. So there was was there's liabilities there too.
0: But so that was a great uh, Brewers 2008 podcast we just had right there. Um, You know what's funny in all of this is we're 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 spending a lot of time on Aguilar, but Travis Shaw has really gone on a tear as well, and that was a guy that we expected. Yeah. to be more of an anchor for the lineup. And he currently leads the team in home runs even though Aguilar has gone on a hot streak here. Shaw has 13, Aguilar has 9 on the season. So, right. I mean, we're kind of getting what we expected from Shaw uh, at this point,
1: aren't we? I think we're getting what we hoped. I don't know that I even necessarily expected him to be this good again, though the other numbers are maybe the batting average is still a little bit lower than well, what Well, JP, thought, we but.
0: we expected power from Shaw either way, correct?
1: Yeah,
2: absolutely. And I think the one thing that's been most encouraging about Shaw is the fact that not only is he still hitting for power, and I know that, you know, there are a couple of things that have been a little bit disappointing. He, he's been, aside from a couple of key spots where you can remember it, I think even it was including Sunday in which he had a good at-bat against a lefty and was able to drive in some runs. Um, he's been, his his performance against lefties has just cratered from last year, um, but His walk rates increased. His K rate has uh, decreased by over 5% thus far. His batting average on balls in play is way low. Um, And he's still hitting for power and is still offering really quality defense at third base. And I think, I mean, as of right now, he's on pace to vastly outpace what he did last year in terms of his overall production.
0: Well, and he's getting a full season this year. He kind of got a little bit of a late start as a starter. He was a little bit platoonish early on last year. They they limited him somewhat against lefties.
1: I mean, he still had 600 plate appearances. Oh, he
0: did. He did. But it was kind of like June when I think everybody was like, oh, no, he's a full-time starter here at third base. Oh, sure. Yeah, Perez was getting a lot of starts against lefties early in the year. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, you know, it's good to see that Shaw's back. And again, that's... He wasn't terrible early, but we hadn't been getting kind of that anchor production we'd been hoping out of him. Yeah. So that, that's good to see.
2: Just to go back to what Ryan was talking about earlier, because he what he really wanted to talk about, if I'm judging by his his Twitter conversation, is that he thinks that, Ke- that Kesten Hura is like the most important thing for this lineup. That's the piece? 20, for 2019. He's the key? Uh, the, because
1: he's... For the future of the lineup in general, he's super important.
2: Yeah, but I will say he's been on an absolute tear in in Carolina. Um, he has. I mean, he's hitting almost he's hitting almost three fifty with quite a bit of power. Um, he's got eighteen extra base hits in May by itself with a base percentage over
1: four hundred. What and do you think? Actually, what's are we that? are we looking at a promotion right after the uh, minor league All Star break? So two three weeks ish. I would
2: imagine so, um, but I think it's also going to depend on where he feels most. Like he's still going to be on throwing programs. He's still going to be on a lot of different things, trying to manage his his elbow. Yeah, have um, we
0: gotten any time at second base? He's, yes, he has.
1: He's played some, but they still limit him a lot.
2: He
0: play he plays a few
2: he plays a few days per week there, okay. um, and because the. I And I don't know enough about this, but because the Brewers actually own the Mudcats now, they might actually have better rehab facilities there because they own it. They might have been able to build more things. So they might actually have the facilities in Carolina to be able to better manage his elbow. I don't know that, but it's one thing that I could imagine why he would stay there longer than he needs to because it's bad. His bat belongs in double-A at least. I mean, his bat is is so good.
1: And he also, they aren't necessarily, sometimes teams leave guys, like I was saying, to the minor league all-star break so that the team can keep marketing around them and whatever. That isn't really a concern because the Brewers don't necessarily care if the Carolina Mudcats are able to market around Keston Hira. They'll move him as they need to for his development. They're not as constrained and worried about, like, pleasing some minor league owner who wants to make a few extra bucks. So
0: are you hoping he's on the Ryan Braun plan now? Because Braun spent a full season at low A, went high A, double A that second year, quick stop in triple A before he was called
1: up. I mean, that that would be the hope, that he would be ready to go, you know,
0: Sometime early-ish next well, year. Well, JP, if his if his bat keeps playing, can he do that without extended time defensively?
2: Can Can he make the big league squad early 2019 without too much defensive time? Correct. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, th- I think he's actually looked pretty good defensively from what people have said. It's just a matter of whether or not his arm can deal with the stress. Um. And I know that a lot of people don't like the fact that it's, you know, it's not that stressful to play second base, but you know, if your elbow potentially needs Tommy John surgery, throwing it all is not
0: pleasant. Well, a Um, lot of the people saying that don't play 162 games a summer. So
2: yeah, I mean, but I would also, I'm
0: I'm not stressed out playing ball once a week, but (laughs) you do that every day and those aches and pains sure uh, crop up. I
2: I think it's absolutely conceivable that I know that they'll probably try to work some kind of, um, service time thing into it and that he probably wouldn't break the break camp
0: but sure again the Braun plan would be i mean Braun was up in late may he because they were managing super two and all that kind of stuff absolutely but But i think that keston kira could
2: it uh, just bat if it was nothing but the bat i actually think he could be in the big leagues now
1: and start taking his lumps and making the adjustments he needs to make at that point
2: yeah i mean i don't think i don't think hitting guys in high A is doing anything for his ability <laughs> his ability as a hitter. I mean his is
1: he's so good. Well and I think we're looking at hero will Hira is definitely going to be a candidate for he'll go to instructs, I'm sure. He's probably going to the fall league, you would think, right? Like he seems it, de- think- it depends. I mean
2: I don't know I don't actually remember do they have do they have the DH in the fall in the fall league? Yes. Okay, then if they do, then they could conceivably make that work. I don't know if they would stress him out by making him play the field more.
1: I mean, they. but what I'm saying is if they want to continue getting him reps and slowly build up his arm, which I think is maybe what they're doing here, then you can extend that out well into October and do that to continue to build him up and get him ready to go for that. I mean,
2: but it is worth saying, and not to throw like an entire you know, bucket of ice water on this, he was playing second base and then he had a setback and needed to step away from playing the field. And that was this year. That wasn't last year. And and then now he's again, starting to ramp it up again and play some more field. I mean, it's not a problem. Did they say setback away. or was that
1: more of a, he had like, like they had some sort of, you always indication. have to
0: couch it in some way that makes you, you personally feel you better. You personally feel better. Yes, about
1: I do. It. I want to feel better about Keston here. Thank you for asking. Like, is that weird? No, We're but like, I want to feel better about it. But, sorry, but you're I, just fishing need, for an answer like, that makes you feel better. That's
0: my point. Not,
2: we not need actual app, information. Where You can like lean back and we all, and then like Steve and I can get some notep- notebook and be like, so, so tell me about your feelings. <laughs>
1: um, how do, how do I, you I, My feelings feel. I mean, are valid. What
2: I, what I said, <laughs> they're always valid. Absolutely. Validate my um, feelings, jerks. What I will say is that I, from what it sounded like is he had, he had a, there was reason to stop him playing the field okay to give, to give him to give him time off and it was not a planned thing
0: okay so is there something we should look for in his time going through the minors some kind of marker or something like that that would kind of say okay they're ready to ramp up his his playing time but to, beyond just looking at like oh he played second base you know 4 days in a row or something like that no i mean not that i can think of I don't know. I mean, is there
2: anything that you had in mind for that? I don't, I have no idea. That's why I was asking you. I didn't know if
0: you had some kind of,
2: I don't think so. I mean, I, it'll be finding things from baseball prospectus or baseball America, or, you know, I, you can talk to people who, who watch the high a, um, is there anybody
0: in particular to follow
2: for that? For, for people that go to, I mean, baseball prospectus has people that go around everywhere. They actually have lists of all of their, um, they're they're amateur scouts that go around and and look at everybody and baseball Um, america
1: covers the carolina league particularly like you're gonna get yeah because they're based out of north carolina because it's local so they cover that a lot they get to a lot of mudcats games multiple guys get to mudcats games to see yeah so.
2: so those would be some things to look at but i mean honestly no it's just gonna basically be reports coming out from the team maybe some interviews for them um I assume he's going to make an all-star team uh, for for the Carolina league in which they're going to be able to talk to him about it. Then I imagine that he'll be one of the main guys he could even make. Um, he could make the future seem uh, for for the U S in which they're again, going to be able to have some coverage on him. They'll see him take the field and things like that. So those will be some things to watch during the summer, but in terms of looking at, no, I mean, I honestly, I think right now it's just kind of tracking how many times you play second base a week is, okay. is the thing to look at.
0: Yeah. Um, other minor leaguers we want to kind of keep tabs on. Orlando Arcia, who was surprisingly demoted to Colorado Springs this past week. Yeah. Uh, I think everybody was surprised by that. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough situation.
1: He has been bad offensively this year and had shown a little bit of signs of perking up maybe early in May, I think, and then went right back into some really, really bad at-bats. And... The fact that Tyler Saladino had been hitting the ball well gave them the coverage to feel like we can put Arcia in the minors for a little while. This is not a long-term thing. He's not down there to, you know, do some major overhaul or whatever. They're trying to get his confidence going and trying to get him to, you know, break out of some bad habits that he had been falling into in terms of, you know,
0: what he was swinging at and where he was. Yeah, but you're talking about two two months of bad habits, and you think he's going to break it in 10 days? I mean, he may not break
1: it in 10 days, but they're going to try to get him back here as quick as possible. They're not he, he is not down there for a long extended stay unless he just continues to not figure things out. And he does now have the advantage. If you're looking to boost his confidence and get him feeling like he's doing some things well, This is the one advantage of having Colorado Springs as your AAA affiliate. It sucks for sending pitchers down to gain confidence, but for sending down hitters to gain confidence, that's at least somewhat helpful because he can go there and
0: at least hopefully see some success. JP, now you had pointed out before that he was just a mess mechanically. So what are the things he needs to clean up while he's down in in AAA right now? he needs to not have so many moving parts because right
2: now there are so whether it's moving his hands, whether it's moving his body, whether it like there are so many things that have to be in sync for him to be able to consistently make contact with, with the baseball. And when, when the, the timing does come together, he can do some really nice things. He's got really good hand eye coordination. He's obviously got some bat speed, um, but when it doesn't click and when the timing's off, it it gen- genuinely looks um, as if he doesn't know what he's doing at the plate, which is obviously not true. He's and he's shown that he can do it at the big league level. Um, but right
0: now it's just really not working. Um, yeah, I mean, he'd gotten off to a slow start last season. So, I mean, seeing absolutely. a slow start early for him wasn't a surprise. It was just that it's been so brutal at this point.
2: Absolutely. And he was still providing tons of value with his glove. I mean, he's he's one of the best defenders in in the National League. Um, but I, I think. I was just looking at who were some of the, the worst offensive performers in major league baseball this year. Um, And with a minimum of 50 plate appearances, he's only the 24th worst. (laughs) Um, There are some notable folks that have been uh, worse. That actually surprised me. Uh, Chris Davis for the Orioles is hitting, is hitting a buck 56 with only four homers. Yeah, he's real bad. Um, Lewis Lewis Brinson is only hitting a buck. (laughs) Lewis Brinson's only hitting a buck 58 with 203 on base percentage. Oh, Jesus. Um, And then Byron Buxton for the Twins is hitting 157 with a 186 OBP and doesn't have a single
1: home run all year. Yeah, Buxton's Um, really been bad and also banged up, but
0: that's. This is normal for him, but he had yeah. shown some life last season, so I think oh, everybody yeah. was everybody was kind of excited about him. But... And
2: and Eric Sogard is the second worst. <laughs> the Rockies, even the Rockies, where uh, Pat Pat Valaika is has uh, been has the worst runs created in in baseball at negative eighteen. <laughs> it's hasn't been hasn't been a good season for him, and unfortunately, he's also bad at defense, so his So do you think negative one?
0: Do you think this is more than a 10 day stay in Colorado for Arcea just to kind of send a message? I do Uh, send a message.
2: I don't know. I don't know. I don't think he's it's not a punishment.
0: My 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 thing is it's 10 days is just to kind of send a message. Or is this a demotion where he's going to be down there figuring stuff out until he gets it together?
2: I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be down there until the team needs him like if if Saladino continues to hit well he's a he's a good defender at shortstop like yeah. if if Orlando Arcee is not going to be playing every day he's going to be down triple a if if he's able to figure it out where he can come up and be the everyday shortstop again then absolutely he'll be up because he's he is the future at shortstop um but they're not going to bring him up to play him once or twice a week
0: and it's also not a, an issue where they just they send him down and then okay, your time's up. Now we're going to bring him right back up. Because I I know you Ryan, you kind of think that you think it's. just I think a he's going to be, be back fairly quickly.
1: Well, I don't. Not a message. It's he needs. If to you figure think he's going out,
0: if you think he's going down for ten days and he's going to get called right back up, that's more of a message than it is. You're going down to figure something out because they wouldn't put a time on it if he's going down yeah. to figure something I, out. They'd be I looking for something. I don't yeah, know I that agree. they I don't think they have a a, a time.
1: I I'm just saying that their their threshold to bring but him back ju- is short. They want to bring him back as
0: quick as they can. That's what I think. They like Orlando Arcia if he shows that he figures things out. Yes, as JP said, he's going to come back up and play every day. They they want him back up as quick as possible. But wanting believe. him back up yeah. as quick as possible is different than you know He's, he's just gonna get high called water. Up. Yeah, yeah, he's no. going to get called up because he's Orlando Orcia. He had been a top prospect. He's a starting shortstop. That's player. fair.
1: So he's right. not coming up come hell or high water. He has to show something to get back up. Or the, like JP said, they have to need him. So if you know something were to happen to a player today, you know, the, or if the, just
2: Saladino starts to implode, right? I mean, if he has if he has a terrible week and a half. Which that's Tyler Saladino. So, yeah, I mean, that absolutely can happen. I, yeah. I, the one thing that was surprising, I, it's not surprising to me, I guess, but, um, Jesus Aguilar and others were saying that they took the demotion for Arcia pretty hard. I mean, they, they didn't like that he was called, that he was removed.
0: Yes. Which is, it's good to see that. Orlando Garcia is a guy that is liked in the clubhouse. He's clearly a part of that team. Yeah. This this is not a guy who thought he was something outside of the club and had attitude issues. Right.
2: And I think that, what you can see and i know some people will roll their eyes at this and say it's not important but even just after home runs now and you have like the whole gauntlet thing in in the clubhouse where they go and you know do the forearm bump and they go and and it's everybody who hits a home run seems to be really excited to do that other than like a couple of players who don't like to get water thrown on them and stuff but it's been really subdued like they do it because brent Suter seems to now lead it but (laughs) <laughs> everybody's just kind of like yeah okay this is something we do now uh, but orlando arcia was always the guy at the end who always you know threw sunflower seeds at them threw water on their face well you know, somebody was, still had you know who it was
1: there. it was also keon broxton last year and eric thames were leaders of that sort of stuff too and yeah. all of those guys are currently not around so, is so thames, but, thames I mean, isn't with the team right he, i, he, seen, he, no, I
2: jesus, jesus aguilar has also been a big fan of it too but I think Jesus Aguilar, the, the guys that you could see that Orlando Garcia had really close connections to Manny Pina, uh, Aaron Perez and, and Jesus Aguilar, like they were all genuinely good friends. Um, and so I'm not surprised that Orlando Garcia gets sent down and Jesus Aguilar and others are really bummed out about it. I don't think it's not a situation in which they're mad about it or they don't understand it. Right. But it's, like we've we've talked about how the fact that the the Brewers have a really good clubhouse is been a big positive thing and you can tell that Craig council really values that. Um yeah. and that's but, been a blow.
0: But it's it's also been good like you said nobody's like holding this against the front office. At least it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like that. It doesn't so seem far. that way. So Well,
2: and it's if they're if they're going to win they're not going to be upset about it, right? If they're yeah. going to win eight out of ten, nobody's going to be upset.
0: Yeah, if you go on a losing streak, then I think people start looking for other reasons to be upset. But and just to talk about Arcia,
1: just his first two games in AAA, one for seven with three strikeouts. Oh, and well, a single. I mean, it's... I guess
0: we know what's going to happen now. The rest of the season.
1: So apparently, it wasn't just like get hit. Well, no, wait, they're they're in Memphis. Never mind, I
0: forgot. Oh, those stats only mattered if they were in Colorado. Yeah, they needs to be in Colorado to get the. <laughs> okay, if that Arcia conversation cuts short, it's because uh, we ran out of recording space on the uh, card. So uh, we're just going to pick up with our Patreon questions. Because Ryan's got to get to the game, right? Yes, Steve. Are you um, trying to get to the well, game? Well,
2: he has to get to lunch. Yeah. And then get to the game.
0: What are you going to have for lunch? Oh, now you're gonna now you're froze.
1: I was going to make a joke, and then I decided not to.
0: Ask the questions, host. (laughs) Okay, Jason Spitz, one of our patrons on Patreon, asks, Yelich, Kane, and Santana is the best version of the outfield going forward. Santana should be treated like or close to an everyday player. He's in the prime of his career, and he wants us to discuss that. So are we in agreement that uh, Yelich, Kane, and Santana is currently the best outfield that the Brewers can run out there right now
1: yeah it's I think it's the best outfield that they can run out there on a given day but there's plenty of wiggle room for rotating within that group and getting guys days off essentially Kane and Yelich should be everyday players except for when they need specific time off those guys should be in there on a daily basis Santana is a little bit more I don't have a problem if he's seeing 70% playing time or something, 60, 70%. That doesn't particularly bother me.
0: JP, how do you want to see that outfield rotation go? I mean, should should Council generally just pencil those three in uh, without thinking about it?
2: No, I still think Braun is a better player than Domingo Santana. So I I still would like to see Yelich Kane and Braun as the primary outfield when Braun is able to play.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's some flexibility in Braun's going to get days off, Braun's going to get days at first, you know. A right, but this bit is the still. best version of Oh, no, 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 no.
2: Not I, like what should be out there every single day.
0: Yeah, I guess my, my point is there isn't a, you know, if they play six games a week, there isn't a lineup that's going to be out there every single day. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's flexibility to how they're going to pencil everybody in from game to game.
1: Yeah, there was yeah. a weird amount of uniform, uniformity this weekend against the Mets. I think he ran out almost the same lineup a couple days in a row. Well when
0: when you're hitting. Yeah, I mean it was it had
1: fallen in with uh with VR hitting sixth, Saladino hitting or Pini
0: hitting seventh and Saladino hitting eighth. Now what I will say about the Yelich Kane Santana outfield is I think that's definitely the best defensive outfield that they can put out there. I, Yelich and left And Santana and right is better than Braun and left and Yelich and right. I think it's six one half a dozen the other. I I lean that way too. Yeah. Oh, do you see I think Yelich is much better than Braun and left, and Santana's got the arm and right to play it. I mean because Yelich doesn't have a big arm. Yelich does not have a big
1: arm, and being him being in left where more balls are hit and having a little bit more range to be able to get to stuff, that is helpful. But I Santana does have issues fielding the baseball. I mean, that's not news. So he's not a great defender. He's not, he's not as look. poor defender
0: as you like to make him
1: out to be. He's not a, he's not a great defender. He's
0: as he opposed to Ryan Braun at this age out in left field. He's not a great defender either. And he's right, just going to break something. <laughs> <laughs> like he said, six of one, half a dozen of the other. It's fine. I think you guys are wrong about the defensive uh, alignment there, but whatever. Um, Yeah, I think there's just a lot of flexibility with the outfield there. So Um, Brian Polakowski, I should be able to get that one. I was going to say, he's one of your people, Steve, so you should get that. I should be able to get that. Uh, Sounds like the Royals are going into sell mode. Most of their rental type players overlap with Milwaukee's strengths. But what about Whit Merrifield at second base when it comes to four years of team control? So what do you guys think? about that uh as far as the trade target is concerned.
1: Merrifield's interesting, but he's also you know 29 now and doesn't have an extensive track record. I mean, now he's got a second good year going here, but doesn't have an extensive track record to back it up further than that. And he's going to cost a lot because of that control, you know, the fact that there's 4 years of control on it. It's going to be a sizable sizable return needed i think jp and i were talking about this on twitter a couple weeks ago i would not give up Hira for sure hero would absolutely not be involved in that and i wouldn't give up burns either i mean that would be a non-starter for me well
0: we were just talking about hero moving through the uh, miners pretty quickly is there any reason to go out and get a guy jp that you'd have control of for four years at second base
2: well, I think the interesting thing about Whit Merrifield is we actually heard the Brewers connected with with him in December. That they that uh, the Brewers were actually talking to the Royals about him in the first place. So it, it's a solid shout. I mean, it it definitely fits what they like at second base. It's going to offer defensive ability and it's going to to give somebody that uh, both can get on base and hit for average. Um, I don't necessarily think he makes the most sense at the moment, just because a I think your point about Hira is is right on. I don't think that the Brewers want to be necessarily using their prospect currency to address something at second base when they have an internal option that's going to be steaming through the system. Uh, I still think, and it's something that I mentioned uh, when we were talking about potential trade deadline pieces. I still think Jed Lowry makes more sense than somebody like Whit Merrifield.
0: You like, okay, Jed Lowry, who is a, a rental is a better fit.
2: I just don't think he'd cost as much. I think he's going to offer ex- pretty much exactly what people think that Whit Merrifield would offer for this year. Um, but I I mean, I don't know who it looks like at this moment, but I mean, there are so many there are going to be so many Neil Walker type options that are going to be available.
0: I was say, are, are uh, we I, are we judging this a little early because we still have time to see what they do at second base? VR hasn't been terrible and. Again, who are the older guys that are just going to become available? Yeah, yeah. My concern is still much
1: more getting a another catcher to pair with Pena, who can play on a somewhat consistent basis and offer offense. I think that's much bigger need at this point than and they're second base. always available. There's Kratz
2: and mo- his one thousand OPS say hello.
1: <laughs> well, this year it looks like, in particular, there is a decent chance that there is going to be some some catchers that are available that fit that profile. Lucroy, Hundley, Grandal. If the Dodgers, you know, continue to spin out of things here, there's going to be guys who can actually hit at the catcher position. Do
0: you really think the Dodgers are going to continue to spin out and not be in contention?
1: It's possible given the number
0: of injuries that they've had. How far would they have to fall to be sellers?
2: I think the one thing about Grandal though, is that they've got Austin Barnes and they've got other options at catcher that can
1: work. Okay. Right. I mean, and they've looked at it's, dealing it's, Grandall it's, in the past they just hadn't gotten a deal they liked
2: yeah i mean i i think that they wouldn't necessarily have to bomb out and become absolute sellers to consider moving grandall i but i think if they do move grandall there would be something from it wouldn't be for prospects huh so
0: okay okay
2: i mean uh. they don't they don't need it in their but anyway Yeah, I think I think if you're looking at what the brewers are going to do right now, if they're going to use prospect currency up at the top of the uh, of the the system where and I don't think they're going to move here up for pretty much anything. Uh, But if they're going to look at moving Burns, they're going to look at moving. I don't think they'd look at moving Peralta. I don't know. That's kind of sketchy. They have they've been talking him up a lot. But if they're gonna do it, they're gonna, I think it's gonna be for the rotation. I don't think that it's going to be something at second base where they have an internal option coming through. I don't think it's going to be for catcher because in order to spend that kind of currency, it'd have to be a really, really top-end catcher. And I don't think that those are going to be available. Uh and I don't think they're gonna look at it for, for shortstop because I still think Orlando RC is probably what they look at long term there. And so it's going to be for the starting rotation if they look at Anything uh, in regards to that, but I think in general you're going to be seeing a trade deadline in which they do much like what they did last year.
0: Okay, uh, Chad Ferris, uh, another Patreon, uh, asks in the preseason episodes uh, we discussed that even uh, if the Brewers were competing at the top of the top of the division, it probably wouldn't be worth it to become buyers because making it to the playoffs would be very difficult. It's still early. Uh, but the crew has the best record in the NL. When's it okay to start considering being a buyer at the deadline? I think they should. I think they should absolutely consider being a buyer
2: at the deadline, even if they're around, even if they absolutely crater. But it's about what they're buying, right? When people say what to be a buyer at the deadline, they mean going for high end pieces,
1: right? Yeah. When yeah, we're not just talking about adding what they did last year, which is adding some complimentary players that ended up being really good, but that's not what people are talking about. They're talking about going for that top guy. They want to be CC Sabathia, you know?
2: And I think, well, I, yeah. And I don't think that the Brewers, a have the prospect currency to go get that. Um, but I think one of the major things that you could see, for example, right. I mentioned Jed Lowry is somebody that they could potentially bring in. But I think if you see the pirates start to fall out of contention a little bit and Mm. Vasquez, their, their closer just went down with a forearm injury. Um, like and, and again I was pretty consistent about this last year I actually think the Pirates are a pretty good team actually um but they've been doing this without Josh Harrison if he comes back and Josh Harrison is potentially on the market for something that's not too expensive he's somebody that offers the positional flexibility and shouldn't cost all that much to be able to bring in he's somebody that could uh, offer some some production as
1: well yeah and and Harrison, you trading Harrison in the division there got... though they've shown reluctance to deal in the division. They got Garrett Cole out of the division. They didn't want to deal with that. Him going yeah, to the well, or something. who else? Were, there were
2: literally two teams that were in on the Garrett Cole, and it was the Yankees and it was uh, the Astros. I mean, potentially you could make the argument that the Brewers maybe were trying to get in it but couldn't, but we have no evidence of that whatsoever. Yeah, they weren't
1: connected. I would my assumption on that was that they were basically told, "No, we won't be dealing with Garrett Cole to you." So, well, I think
2: I think rent- got that far. I think that's a pretty massive uh, assumption.
0: Oh, you think it's okay? Also, okay. a rental is going to be a different issue than you know if they're trading a guy for a couple years that's going to stay in the division. So, sure. Okay, final question. Uh, hi, MKE Tailgate, uh, longtime listener, first time caller. I have a question for this week's podcast. I remember Kevin Mench having a hat the size of eight and a quarter. Who has a bigger head, Mensch or Ryan? And that is from J.P.B. Yeah, it was
2: really one of our our, our
0: top our top listeners, I think.
1: So what do we think, J.P.B.? <laughs> yeah, J.P.B. Yeah,
2: I don't actually, and I don't actually know the answer to this. So I was really interested in, in learning about it when I saw this on the rundown because I thought it was a great question. So
1: I will I will point it, out that it is when interesting. I, in the past- I,
0: I I did tweet a picture so everybody could kind of get an idea of the circumference circumference of Ryan's. Uh, head there when in the past i have bought fitted hats i have had to special order them
1: <laughs> i cannot buy off the rack i have to i have to get them special made um <laughs> so it's you you can't just you what's your what's what's the first number is eight you just have to like and it it's it's an eight but it's it eight and a quarter is very tight it's tough <laughs> it's tough like <laughs> That's a, that's really particularly bad bird flew into it. Like it couldn't avoid it. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, yeah, the, the hat thing. Yeah. Even when I was a little kid, I was thinking about this. Anytime you would like, you know, ballpark giveaway or whatever, you'd get one of those free hats. I would have to take the thing and put it on the very last tick and it would just kind of <laughs> hang there and it'd be all flimsy. <laughs> And so like you do this you could see how this works you take it all the way to the very end and then it would sit on my head and it would make this weird V in the back of my head cuz it it didn't really fit and it just looked ridiculous so yeah not really a hat guy <laughs> not really a hat guy it's uh it's it can be difficult <laughs> So is the answer to this Ryan? The is answer the is answer Ryan. Is?
0: Well no so what, well, I've heard. Okay. what I hold on. Okay, what I can say
2: you just said eight and a quarter is,
1: is too tight. tight. Yeah. It's too tight. Now what I will it say can fit, but I will say tight.
0: in his defense, Kevin Mensch was bald. Ooh. So yeah. he didn't have that hair yeah. kind of adding a little extra layer. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. even right. though even yeah. though your head is large, yes, you aren't bald. No, my
1: hat my hats fit a lot better when I, I ran a vet haircut. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the, the thing I've heard though, is that Bruce Bochy actually has like a way bigger head than Kevin match. Like Bruce Bochy is like one of the, and because that man is a, you know, hall of fame manager, he gets to have his hats made special. And I'm sure it, it like, so when I get my hats, they're always a little weird. The bill Bruce is not, Bochy, the Bruce bill- Bochi
2: has only an eight, eight and an eighth. So it's smaller.
1: When when I get mine, the bill is too small because it's not, I think they just have like one bill size. They don't have like a bill large <laughs> enough to fit like the the full hat size. So that's kind of a pain in the ass too because it, it, it isn't proportional. So the, the bill, they always look weird. Hats always look weird on me.
0: On you. I was going to say, the rest of us can wear it when we're okay. Well, yeah, you're no, also I, sitting here wearing long sleeves and it's going
1: to be like 90-something yeah,
2: degrees. Yes, 90 degrees
0: out and you show up in long sleeves today.
1: It was cool this morning, and also this basement is not warm. So, well,
2: you're gonna have to you're gonna have to change your attire before heading out to Miller Park.
1: I have a brewery shirt on under this. Look,
0: thanks for your concern. I'm just for trying to look out though. for your
2: health because you'll overheat in that.
0: Well, maybe he's gonna eat something like really hearty for lunch, <laughs> and he wanted to like sweat it off, you know. So, and
2: all of the, all of his blood's gonna go to his stomach to digest it, so that like yeah. his extremities are gonna be cold
0: speaking of which what are you having for lunch today I need
1: to go so I'm just gonna let you like read this thing out okay
0: you want you want me to close it yes close close the show Steve okay that'll do, do your it. hostly duties that will do it for this week's show because Ryan is hungry so uh, you can join our patreon by visiting patreon.com slash Mke tailgate patrons at the ball and glove level will receive the monthly minor league extra podcast and we have the draft recap coming up so uh, become a patron right now you'll get the uh next podcast in early june yep and early we'll june. talk about all the draft picks and whatever else probably that a one, lot of focus on 11th through 13th round draft picks
1: yes 11th through 13 almost be exclusively yeah
0: so definitely uh join patreon get that uh as always follow tw- follow us on twitter at mke tailgate. you can also submit questions to milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com that's milwaukees with an s because we wanted to make it difficult. So yes. um, you can also follow our Facebook page for Milwaukee's Tailgate Baseball Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and in the Google Play Store. You can also leave reviews and help other people find the podcast. So thanks for listening and look for us again next week on Milwaukee's Tailgate. There. Would you? Would you like to tell me how to host? I have to go. It's not. not I understand super long. that. <laughs> I got to leave, Jesus. man. Jesus.
1: <laughs> I got lunch to eat before I go to the game. Oh, You'll I know. Okay. Did you I, know they I don't? I would even
2: imagine that you could eat lunch at the game. I was going to
0: say, say did you know they long don't long serve long. food at the park anymore? <laughs> you have to just sit there. <laughs> just sit there. <laughs> Sit there with your cotton candy and super rope. That's it. Can we get going? Well, no. Now you've made no, a big no. deal about it. So <laughs> we're going to stall.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Steve is going to filibuster for five minutes.
2: <laughs> do, you, do you want me? I can. Uh, You're, I have stop it. <laughs> I have the American Political Tradition annoying. by Richard Hofstetter. I could start oh, there reading you go. I could it's read really it out gross. loud too. Don't you. do
0: that. Don't we all need more don't tell me that's there. gross when you're sitting there like smacking your mouth on the little freaking microphone the entire time that Jim's you know answering stuff. When you're not talking, move your goddamn mouth away from the mic. I Mike. do. Jesus.
1: Mostly. Wow, there's a lot of sediment at the bottom of those.
0: That's where the the health benefits are. <laughs> it's the the carbs. That's <laughs> <laughs> where they they put the. <laughs> All oh, the electrolytic juices and such. Exactly. <laughs>